on to Sukkot. It is one of the Shalosh Regalim, the three pilgrimage festivals. And Slonim Rebbe tells us that Shalosh Regalim doesn't only mean the pilgrimage festivals, but it literally means the three legs on which Judaism stands. And that is in the correct order, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot, symbolizing the great marriage of God and the Jewish people, Pesach being the engagement, where we first get to meet each other, to know each other, and to fall in love. Um, Shavuot is the wedding, symbolized by the ketuvah of the wedding, and the clouds of glory, symbolizing the, uh, the wedding and the marriage contract entered into between God and the Jewish people. Sukkot is Hava at Bayit, bringing the bride into the home, and Shmini at Seret is Yehud, the time when the husband and wife are alone with uh, no, no accoutrements, no uh, regiment, nothing other than each other to bask in their presence. And that is what Shmini Atzeret is really. The four species that we take, the lulav and etrog and then the leaves um, of the willow and the myrtle are deeply symbolic of many things. They are the four kinds of Jews, the, uh, those that have knowledge and good deeds, those that have good deeds but no knowledge, uh, good deeds but no knowledge, and then no good deeds and no knowledge. And yet we bring them all together in the service of Hashem is place for every kind of Jew. So it's a great act of unification of the Jewish people. In addition, as we come past the period of sin and forgiveness, which is what Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are all about, acknowledging sin and being granted forgiveness, the tikkun for that original sin, which is the primordial sin from which all sins emerge and develop, was the removal of the fruit from the tree in the Garden of Eden. And the tikkun, the repair for that, is to put the fruit back against the tree, which is what the lulav and etrog really represent as well. The sukkah construction is interesting uh, because although there is a limit to the height of the sukkah in terms of how high it can be and how low it can be, there's no limit to the size of a sukkah. And we do know that the messianic period will bring the giant sukkah in which we will all be enveloped when we say ufros alenu sukkat shlomecha, the sukkah, the canopy of peace, will be the ultimate sukkah. And uh, we know that there's boundless size uh, to that ultimate sukkah. On the face of it, the sukkah seems to be a temporary structure, and indeed physically it is. And our house appears to be a permanent structure, because as we look at it on a superficial level, it appears to be permanent. However, when we look closely beneath, beneath the surface, we see that in fact the sukkah is the permanent structure. It has been erected and standing for thousands of years and will be re-erected and standing again until Mashiach comes. The house, on the other hand, may be 20, 30, 40, 50 years old and may stand for another 20, 30, 40, 50 years, but in terms of time, it is truly temporary. And so deciding what is temporary and what is, and what is permanent is a profound message that Jews think about constantly, even in terms of what we do with our lives, uh, temporary pleasure versus permanent pleasure, etc. The overall message of Sukkot is the commandment to be happy. And that's very interesting because secular society explains that happiness is something we pursue and it happens when we have an internal combustion explosion of joy in our souls. Judaism has a completely different view. 
He does not believe that happiness uh, can be pursued. It, it believes that happiness is a choice we make and a way to be. And um, we do believe that actions determine feelings rather than feelings guide your actions. And so acting happy leads to feeling happy. To a Jew, happiness is the inevitable bright byproduct of living a meaningful, purposeful life. Rabbi Meir Soloveitchik brings out a fascinating point about the etrog. Points out that the etrog tree is the only one that is capable of simultaneously having buds, blossoms, and fruit. In other words, it can have the past, the present, and the future. It can transcend generations and overcome time and have all time frames on the same fruit stalk. There are also those who believe that the etrog was the fruit uh, that was referred to in the Garden of Eden and eaten uh, by Adam and Eve. I would like to end with the most beautiful story about a date tree, in fact, several date trees currently growing in Israel. When the original excavations took place at Masada, the chief archaeologist, Yigalat Yadin, uh, came across a number of old and ancient uh, date seeds, seeds of the date palm. And by the way, it's the date palm whose fronds we use for the uh, lulav. Um, it is not simply palm leaves. They have to be from a date palm. And uh, the dates are also considered to be the honey. Date honey is what's referred to when we talk about Eretz, Zavat, Chalavadavash. And that is uh, because dates were the uh, famous uh, fruit that was uh, what was plentiful in Israel and the earliest coins uh, picked up in the dust of Israel by the archaeologists over many years, over many locations, have frequently have the date palm as the insignia on one of the sides, and you probably will recognize that. Back to those seeds that were found by Yigal Yadin. 2005, a number of Israeli botanists decided to see if they could germinate these ancient date palm seeds that have been lying around for 2,000 years. They took the seeds, uh, impregnated them or dipped them in some uh, growth uh, hormones of some kind, and the seeds began sprouting. They gave the first tree the name Meshusela uh, or Methuselah, uh, named after the man who lived the longest in uh, Sefer Breshit, lived for 960 years. Now, at last they dreamed, we'd be able to taste the same dates that our ancestors ate during the Second Temple and shake the same palm fronds that our ancestors shook at the time of Sukkot all those years ago. That seed and others have now uh, produced dates and uh, they're aiming in Israel to regrow a large plantation and repopulate uh, the land of Israel with its original date, uh, date palms. And so with that beautiful idea of Jewish continuity tying together Sukkot, the palm fronds, the dates that we eat and that bring us so much sweetness, uh, history of the land and the current return to our land are such a beautiful way to, uh, to enter the Chag. And I wish everybody listening a Chag Sameach, uh, or even better, a Hag Sameach. This is Hashem's heavenly hug to us as we are welcomed 
into his uh, local abode. Chag Sameach. Shabbat Shalom and Chag Sameach to everybody. Here we sit on the eve of Sukkot, and I wanted to share some thoughts with you about that. Um, first of all, uh, oh, there's so many amazing things about the sukkah, but as we enter the sukkah, we really enter the holiest place uh, outside of Jerusalem in the world. It's the concentration of spiritual energy coming about as a result of uh, the Kanfei HaShchinah, the uh, clouds of glory that hover over the Jewish people and that we pray will hover over us in the coming year. It also, of course, is a physical sukkah, something that prevents, that uh, protects and saves us during the trip through the desert, uh, which is the 40-year story. Um, but it, it's very special in so many ways. I'll just point out a few of them. Um, the roof is always the same. The great equalizer is between God and us. We're all equal. Nobody has a superior schach than anybody else. Uh, interestingly, it must be made of material that has previously lived and is currently not connected to the ground. So that theme of death uh, that permeated Yom Kippur is transformed into vital life as we sit under what is essentially dead foliage um, and commemorate life itself. What a wonderful contrast and uh, such a reinforcement of the joy of, of uh, Sukkot, which is to celebrate life. Um, and uh, then the sides, of course, you can do whatever you want. That's where the difference between people, we can be different. People are different. The sides are different uh, of the walls and so on. But the, but the great uh, equalizer is the top. Uh, the schach also has to have this unique ability that no matter how, uh, how much it shades during the daytime, you must be able to see the stars at night through the schach if, of course, there is no cloud layer. And so we have to be able to see the light even in the darkness. Such a such an inspiring thought as we begin our new year together. Um, the height of the sukkah is governed. There are maximum heights. Uh, there's a, a height to which the schach cannot exceed the, the sukkah itself, and also a a, um, a minimum height which it cannot go less than. But the size of the sukkah is unlimited. How nice that every there's room for everybody in our sukkah, uh, and uh, one day uh, the uh, Mashiach uh, metaphor brings uh, about uh, a giant sukkah, Ufros Aleinu Sukkat Shlomecha, the the big tabernacle of peace, the ultimate sukkah will cover everybody. So uh, expandable in size, but height is controlled within a range. Um, and then uh, Sukkot itself is one of the Shalosh Regalim, the three, what we call traditionally, the three pilgrimage festivals. Uh, after the word Regal, which is what you walk, because the Jews walked to Jerusalem. It was considered symbolically to be a place everybody walked to on Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. The Slonimer Rebbe, Rebbe has a beautiful explanation. He says the Shalosh Regalim are not just the three legs on which uh, the three festivals on which we walk to Jerusalem. But at a more profound level, these three festivals are the legs or the pillars, if you will, on which Judaism stands. And what are they? In the great love affair between God and the Jewish people, Pesach is the engagement, the engagement period. Um, and uh, that is that is the Erusin. That is the engagement pe uh, period between God and the Jewish people. Uh, Shavuot is the marriage, the wedding, the Nisuin. 
and uh, that is symbolized by the Ketuvah, the marriage contract, which is the Torah that was given to us. Uh, and Sukkot is Hava'at Bayit, bringing the bride into the home, the actual wedding celebration in the house. Uh, almost like you might think of it as Sheva Brochus. And of course, it is, you know, there is there are seven days to Sukkot, uh, deeply connected with Sheva Brachot uh, of the wedding. Um, and um, then we get to uh, the whole idea of where the moon is in the calendar. Now, all of these Shalosh Regalim all take place in the middle of the month. When the moon is full, we see full shining. Because the moon and the sun represent God and the Jewish people. And um, so the moon doesn't have light of its own. It reflects the light of the sun. And so the Jewish people don't have light of their own. They, respect, they reflect the light of Yiddishkeit. Um, there's only one festival which is done, which is performed at a time when the moon is not visible at all, and that is uh, Rosh Hashanah. That's the time when God withdraws. There is no light. Uh, we have to draw forth the light for the, for the coming year, and that's what Rosh Hashanah is really about. And as we coronate the king and recommit ourselves to another year, the moon begins to get bigger and bigger until at full moon we celebrate uh Sukkot, and that applies to all the Shalosh Regalim. And a final thought on Sukkot is what we think is permanent is actually temporary, and what we think is temporary is actually permanent. The houses that we all live in, we think of as permanent, and in a sense they are. They're certainly more, uh, more strengthened, more fortified, less flimsy. But in a few years or many years, they'll be demolished and something else will take their place. Um, but the sukkah that we view as temporary and fragile is in fact permanent. And it's been standing for thousands of years and will stand permanently uh, until, the end of the, until the end of the current era. And so we need to take our physical world less seriously and realize what really counts and what really is permanent uh, and uh, not substitute things for memories. Memories and experiences are what Jews are all about, not spending money on possessions, but on experiences. And so I think the sukkah teaches that, us that as well, that the most sacred place, the place where the joy is experienced the most, is in the most flimsy, flimsy and least permanent structure. So I wish you a wonderful hug and uh, focus on the joy of being in the sacred space uh, under the protection uh, of of the Shekhinah. Chag Sameach.